0: Lost the field where the creek turns back by the old stone road. I'm gonna take it to a special
1: place that nobody knows. Baby get ready.
2: Ooh. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench Podcast. I am Daniel Brawl, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my partner in crime. My brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, tonight's episode 13 titled Diamond Queen, because in a few minutes we got our guest, Mississippi State Softball star Briley St. Clair joining us. But Jim, before Briley joins us, I gotta ask you, man, a big slate of college baseball was on. You had the war room set up. What game, what one game? I know we're gonna talk about it, but what one game was was your favorite game to watch? Man, you going to put me on the spot like that. Just like that. Getting people primed and pumped for the episode, man.
1: Did you say SEC or non-SEC? Doesn't matter. What's your one game? I'm going to go non-SEC, and I'm going to go Florida State, Notre Dame, extra innings. Notre Dame got it done.
2: Yep. Plugging old Jack, Jackie B, coming on the show later in the month, man. I mean, Notre Dame right there with us, bro. But – it's not about Notre Dame tonight, man. It's about softball. It's about Mississippi State softball. And, Jim, I'm ready to get right into it. So help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, Mississippi State softball star, Briley St. Clair. All right, Briley. Thank you for joining us. How are we doing tonight?
0: Yes. Hello. I'm good. How are you?
2: We are blessed. Uh, we are back. You know, with softball again. It's been a while since we had uh, softball on the show, and you know, what better way than to represent softball with a Mississippi State Bulldog? So, welcome. And you know, before we get into this, it's it's kind of funny. Jim and I, we do a lot of research to prep for the show and get the questions and really like navigate how we're going to tell your story. But we start with a simple Google search. I don't know if you've ever Google searched your name. Uh, uh, Most people probably have one time or another. But just so you know, when you Google search your name, it auto populates as boyfriend. I have no idea why. I'm not looking for a boyfriend, um, but that's what happens did you know that
0: no i did not
2: you should check it out uh it's it's quite quite interesting it took me a while obviously I, i i got frustrated i asked jim i was like jim am i doing something wrong he was like just spell it the right way and of course eventually we got it we found you but um you know, the second thing I, I need to know, does your, does your boyfriend know? I know he, he's, a, he's an athlete in and of itself, but does he know that when he searches your name, boyfriend pops up?
0: No, I don't think so.
2: <laughs> so, you know, with him, you know, we always give a shout out to significant others because Jim and I will be the first to tell you our, our wives are what makes this world go round. So you want to give a shout out to the boyfriend while we got a second?
0: Yeah. Hey, Landon.
2: There he is, Landon. I, I heard a little bit about Landon. What, what What's he do? What he an athlete? Um,
0: yes, Landon, actually, he went to school here. He transferred to South Alabama to play baseball there. So he's there right now, and they're in their season two, so we're pretty busy.
2: Well, that's, that's good. I'm sure, you know, it's probably a story for a, a different day, but I'm sure the balance between – your schedule and his gets kind of tricky, especially during the spring. But let's, uh, let's talk about you for a little bit. Let's go back, take me back, you know, when little Briley was growing up. Where are you from and, and what was it like in the home life? You have brothers and sisters.
0: All right. Well, I'm from Sand Rock, Alabama, and it's a really, really little town in uh, northeast Alabama. Um, we're close to Gadsden and Fort Payne. Um, I have a brother and he is 17. He just turned 17 and he's involved in sports too. So we pretty much my entire childhood was just we were busy. We were playing on the road. Um, starting when I was 12, we were playing all over the country. I was playing in California, um, Colorado, and it just kind of never stopped from there.
2: So I, I have an older sister, so I know what it's like. So let's be real here. You were beating him up. <laughs>
0: I don't, I'll beat him up now. We're pretty uh, close. We don't really fight.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh it's, it's brotherly, sisterly love. It's, you know, what you would expect in a household with, you know, an athlete of your caliber. And I'm, I'm sure there were, you know, sports were, were the thing. You know growing up so i could imagine the competition and, and the, the the fuel that comes from that but um talk to me a little bit about you know growing up who were some of your influences and was it just softball that you were an athlete of or were there other sports
0: um so actually when i had first started like participating in sports i was probably four or five i started gymnastics And, um, so I was big into gymnastics and cheer for the longest. And then I, um, went through a mental block with like tumbling and stuff. And I was struggling, like throwing certain skills. Um, I had my full when I was young, probably like seven, I think I threw it in a cheer competition. So I was a good cheerleader and, um, but I still cheered throughout high school. Um, when I had a mental block, I kind of, uh, started playing different things. I always like I played baseball, I played basketball, Um, but then I, like, started focusing on different things when I kind of figured, like, okay, well, you know, I'm not doing the best in cheer right now, so um, I played baseball, I played with the boys um, until I was about eight or nine, and then I switched over to softball, so I started in baseball because it was more competitive than our rec softball league, and at the time, I mean, when you're eight or nine, you're not really thinking about, like, playing for real and, like, you know, where you're going to go to college. But um, then I switched over to softball and I was like, if I'm going to do this, like, like we're going to do it. You know, like my parents were like, we're going to put her on the best like travel ball team. Like if she's going to play, she's going to play for real. And so um, that's when I found the Birmingham Bolts and I played with them um, when I was nine all the way until I was 18. And that's how I kind of got recruited and seen by Mississippi State. And um, yeah.
2: So let's, let's backtrack. Let's unpack some of that a little bit. You, you know, a lot of people, when they have a mental block, they, they take a break and, you know, you felt like you needed to step away for a minute. Was there ever a time where you were like, all right, I'm ready to get back into cheering. I'm ready to get back into gymnastics. Or was it you kind of just found something that you really liked better?
0: Um. So I never really stopped um cheer and gymnastics I just kind of worked myself through the middle block it was really frustrating I mean I was I was super young and it was like serious like it was hardcore um I was on an older cheer team I was with some older girls um and so being like the youngest like one of the youngest kids on the on your all-star team and then like obviously having those issues that's like keeping you from being your best it was like really stressful and I do remember that I remember crying on the way home and on the way to cheer practice, but um it's just something that I kind of worked through. Um, I continued to cheer. I cheered until I was a senior in high school, and then, like, sometimes I was, like, you know, like, I wish that, you know, I would have stuck with cheer, like, if I was ever having a bad, like, like, just a, if I was in a slump or something, or then, you know, sometimes I would be, like, okay, well, like, I want to quit cheer, you know, like, it was just always kind of back and forth, but I just stuck with it till I was a senior, and High school and cheered throughout high school.
2: I can I can respect that you you honored honored the commitment. Uh, you, you you know persevered. You pressed through. Um, you know it's it's hard for people to understand what what it's like to have like a mental block because you don't know what to do unless you're in it, and it's hard to like get on the level of somebody who's struggling with that when you've never had one yourself. So um, it's it's commendable to be able to work yourself through that, but also to be able to balance other things because you're also going to school on top of all the, the athletic stuff. So, um, you know, with that, obviously, you were able to figure it out. You were doing new things, but then, you know, you get to high school and did you see yourself like when you started high school, did you see yourself going, you know what, I could pursue this this or this in college or did you know right away like i think softball like i i was able to compete with the boys now i'm playing i'm competing all over the country did you know right away that softball was the avenue or was that something throughout high school that you were like man i'm getting better i think i might be able to do this and before you know it like you're there you're at a spot where you can you know take it to the next level
0: right so um i kind of knew Pretty early on, that softball was what I wanted to do. So um, maybe around the time that I was 12 or 13 is when I started taking it serious. Because when I switched over to softball, I was like behind everybody, like my my skill level. Like I just wasn't as good as everybody. And so I knew that like if that's something that I wanted to do, then I would have to work really hard at it because I was coming off of rec league baseball. And so um, just being at the field, I think me and my dad would go to the field probably two or three hours day, every day until I, you know, was, you know, equally as good as everybody else. And then, you know, you just keep working. But um, I knew pretty early on that softball was the route that I wanted to take probably around 13 or 14, because that was the time that, you know, colleges started to look at you and you'd be going to camps and they'd take you on tours around their campus and stuff when you were at camps. And so it was a decision that I had to make pretty early.
1: Briley, I tell you, I got an interesting story from you, uh, for you from this last year's baseball season. On my son's baseball team, um, they were uh, 11U, and we actually had a 12-year-old girl on our team, and uh, she's a softball star. She wanted to play rec baseball as well, and uh, the 12- the and 13-year-old league said that they were all full on their roster, which come to light, it was actually a lie. They didn't want a girl on their team which was pretty insulting. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, this girl was the best girl on our team and she could catch anything. She was smoking the ball. And so we were gifted because these other coaches didn't want to take a girl. She came to our team right. and dominated. So don't sleep, don't sleep on them ladies.
0: Right, that's kind of how I, um, I got into softball actually. So um, with rec league baseball, you know that there's like all-star teams. And so um, I didn't make all-stars. And it was pretty odd. Like, it was obvious that I should have made all-stars and I didn't. And it really made my parents mad. And so they were like, we're done. Like, we're getting her on a competitive travel softball team. Like, we are done with this. So that's, I mean, that's kind of similar to how I got into softball, actually, was just because, you know, there was like doubt and me being a girl and in a guy's sport and their parents probably didn't like that. That was good. So that you were
2: better than
1: their son. That's
2: basically
0: right. Probably.
2: <laughs> so Briley, it's, it's interesting. I'm never, I'm never, we've never had a, the chance to talk somebody who's gone that journey. So explain to us, like, was there a learning curve when you went from baseball to softball? Because, Like me personally, like I played baseball my entire life. But if you put me on a softball field and said, here's a softball here's a bat, hit this, this type of pitching. Like it's all different that it would, it would be a challenge for some of the best uh, baseball players to transition. And obviously you were one of the better players when you played in the baseball league. So what was the transition like going to softball? Did it take a long time or did it just automatically click?
0: Really? um, At the age that I kind of transferred over it, it wasn't, I mean, I'm not going to say it was easy, but it wasn't extremely hard to like get to where I needed to be to be able to be competitive and, um, you know, be a hard player to play against. But um, I was lucky enough that I made that transition before, you know, they really got into the to the different pitches that softball players throw, Um, you know, like the rise and like baseball is more of like down angle pitches. And then softball, you have to rise and then drop and, you know, like all the. All the other stuff that you have to take, like, different angle swings, too. So, uh, fortunately, I got to switch over before I was seeing a whole lot of that. So, I feel like that would have been the biggest transition for me was to kind of figure out how to hit pitches that were spinning up instead of just spinning down.
2: So, there's something you said that I, I got I to gotta give you props on. I, I, Jim can tell you, I've coached baseball at, at high levels. And there's only a couple players in my entire life that have ever said anything to the, to the, what you just said was, I want to be the most difficult person that anybody has played against. Like most people are like, I want to have the best batting average. I want to hit gap to gap. I want to be able to drive the ball the other way. I'm a pitcher. I want to be able to, you know, have X amount of strikeouts. I want my walk to strikeout ratio to be whatever but it's very rare where people go. I want the other team to hate when I come to the plate or when I'm on the mound or they just don't like playing me because I am that difficult of a person. So, and those guys are currently now playing in major league baseball. So that's the mindset. Like that's, that's an unbelievable mindset to have. So I got to give you props on that. So you, you mentioned that it, it kind of clicked. And obviously, when, once you started playing softball, it was like, I, I, I got I to gotta pump you up here. I mean, 2017, all county, all area, all area tournament team and first team all state honors. You led Sandrock to a 29 and 15 record area 13 championship as a freshman led the team at the plate in your debut season with a 616 batting average, brought home all area most valuable player honors and first team all state selection. And that's not it. I just had to take a break there. there, There's just so much, but I I think it's important to note as a junior, you led Sandrock with a 604 batting average, 604, like that's an unfathomable like number at the plate. For your average like what like is the ball like it, softballs are bigger was it just the fact that they looked like a beach ball like, like, like how does that happen um, Even more importantly <laughs> how do other pitchers and other teams allow that to happen
1: like, I'd just Daniel, be putting you, putting you on base I mean think about it Daniel 300 is what you aim for right and she's hitting 600 bro on base yeah six, on well two,
0: I slap. Three, so I have a lot of I can do a lot of different things in the box. So that's the fun part about like slapping is that you can read the defense and basically just put it where they're not.
2: I mean, it's impressive to say the least, but you know, you you won 2018 16U Premier National Championship with the Thunderbolts. You then, you know, obviously you you're realizing the potential and where the softball could take you. At what point in this journey did college like playing at the hot at the next level in a college, when did that start sinking in and what colleges were on the radar?
0: Um, well, so I committed pretty early. Um, I was, I wanna say it was a few days before my 15th birthday, um, was when I committed to Mississippi State. Um, so I knew that I wanted to kind of get out of Alabama. I don't, obviously I didn't want to go too far. Um, but I wanted to get out of Alabama. I wanted to, uh, you know, leave my hometown and see different things. Uh, when I came to Mississippi state, it was just kind of like this undeniable, like feeling like I, I'd never forget it. Um, when I was just walking around campus, like meeting everybody and everybody was just so genuine and like, they, they really like looked out for me, you know, I felt like they wanted me. And um like this campus, it feels just like home. And I know like a lot of people say that and it's so cliche to say that, but that really is the feeling that I had. Like when I got here and I mean 14 year old Bradley walking around this campus and I was like, dang, you know, like this this actually seems really fitting.
2: Is that is that normal for you know in softball for people to commit that early?
0: Um, well, it was when we were getting recruited, but now there's the rule, the uh, September first or something like that. Your junior senior year, so they kind of stopped the um, early commitment, early, you know, stuff like that, um, recruiting process. Uh, but I think it was pretty normal. I feel like the majority of like our team committed when they were around that age too.
1: Now, I mean, she's easily we. She's the what fifth softball player we had. She's easily the earliest. Yeah. I mean, was there ever
2: a time, I mean, obviously, like, I just picture, you know, the age and just, just the level of growing up that's happening and what, you know, just being in high school life, like, you know, the one day, you know, is drastically different than the next. And like, was there ever a time where you were like, you know, maybe it's not Mississippi State. I committed there, but maybe it's not. Could it be somewhere else?
0: Um, not really, because I was always just really excited. Cause nobody else I wanna say I'm the first person from San Rock to ever go Division One, um, to my knowledge, scholarship wise, uh for sport. But um I was always just so excited and it it was really hard like being in a small town because you know, like people talk and so like they didn't always like have the best things to say. Um but I never, I never doubted my decision. I remember um, coming on my official visit and I was like on the way home and I was like a little bit upset and I was like tearing up. And I was like, this is like, this is real life. Like I'm going to be here. And like this whole time that I've just been waiting and waiting and waiting and like dreaming of it since I was 14. And like, now it's like actually here. And so I was scared, you know, like after signing day and I was like, wow, like I really did, like just sign my life away to this school, but um, I've never regretted it. I've never had any second thoughts about it. I've just, I've always felt like I was meant to be here, and um, and now I get to be here. So,
1: well, you may have escaped Alabama, but as somebody who likes to watch romantic comedies, I've seen Sweet Home Alabama, and you got that Reese Witherspoon accent down. So you may have left Alabama, but you brought that accent with you to Mississippi. Yep, That's I don't sure.
0: know how. I'll ever, ever get rid of it.
1: But, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, 14 year old Briley being in Starkville. You talked about all these emotions leading up to it, but you finally get there. Are you at this point, are you nervous at all? Or is it just straight excitement?
0: Um, it was a little bit of both. I remember kind of getting here and this was the first time that I'd ever been away from my family for a long period of time. My, um, 18U travel ball I would travel without my parents some but I'd never been away like I'd never been away from home without my family and um, I mean my entire family is extremely close and so I I mean I would walk to my mama's house and just go eat breakfast or go eat supper with them and um, I mean just I was always with my family always and so that was really the hard part for me uh, freshman year was just trying to learn how to be without them, not really, like, being on my own because I felt like I was pretty – you know, I was – they prepared me to be alone and to be independent and, you know, to, you know, handle things for myself. But it was really hard to not have them here, like, when I needed them.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely a transition. You know, before we get into all the softball talk, you know, one of the things that I like that the athletes talk about when you go to a a university, something like Mississippi State, is – is the other sports and the other events. Did you go check out football games and everything else before you got to softball season?
0: Yes, I did. We went to – I'd been to a few football games uh, before I got onto campus. And, you know, like I got to go on the field, like my family got to go on the field. And so that was really fun too, was to be able to witness different sporting events here before I actually got to come and enjoy them as a student.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's one of the cooler parts is not just playing your own sport, but being a part of all the other sports and activities, because especially when you're at a university like Mississippi State, y'all got it going on in so many different areas and um, to go enjoy those environments and support those other athletes, I feel like is a a cool thing. But, you know, getting into softball, you know, your freshman season, you played in 22 games, Um, you batted 417, made your first career start against Alcorn State going two for three with two runs scored and one batted in, um, you know, how did it feel, you know, as the season started, you know, trying to, trying to get yourself acclimated to the team?
0: Um. So I felt, uh, I remember feeling like, not necessarily out of place, but I was like, everyone here is good. And like, you know, it's not just like, there's these three or four players, like, kind of like, not my travel ball team because my travel ball team we were all very good but getting here it was like everybody you know they've been here they're bought into this program like they know the rules they know they know everything about this program and you know how to succeed in this conference and so getting here and trying to just really find my role and find my place um, was probably the hardest thing for me because you know you come you come here and you automatically you know you want to start and you know you work so hard for that and like you know when it doesn't happen it, I mean, it sucks, but um, I mean, eventually I, I got to that point and I got to that point freshman year and then, you know, COVID happened. And so everything got shut down. I remember um, we were about to play Kentucky and I just started the previous weekend before that against um, against Southern Miss. And so, you know, we were going into my first SEC weekend ever. You know, and I was so excited to get to Kentucky and like, you know, fingers crossed that I would start. i had been doing good. And, you know, that's just something that you work for and just kind of committing to your role. If you're if you're on the bench, if you're on the field, you know, like you're always going to get that opportunity and just to be ready when that opportunity comes.
1: Well, before COVID happened, something amazing happened. Daniel, my favorite stat that I found in the in this whole research of Briley against MVSU she got brought into pinch run and she stole second and she stole third. And then she scored for what at the time was the go ahead run. I mean, I love speed, speed kills. I mean, let's talk about it. Like, is it one of those things that you are really fast or are you good at reading the pitches? What's going on here? How are you able to steal bases like that?
0: Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell you that I'm slow because I'm not slow, but um. <laughs> I think, you know, like, reading the pitches, being able to read, like, where the ball's going off the bat, that has a lot to do with it, too, like when you're trying to take extra bases. Um, but, yeah, I just know, like, if I'm going to get on first, then I'm going to steal second, and then I could probably steal third, too, if it's if it's given to me. <laughs>
1: so, aside from the fact that COVID take, took it away from you, you know, as far as what you did get to do, like I said, you know, you only got to play in so many games. But 417, obviously, great batting average. You know, I just talked about the game in which you, you were able to accomplish stealing some bags. I mean, did you get a a good feel? Did you feel like you had uh, met expectations for at least what was allotted with a, a season cut short?
0: Um. Yeah, I did. I, I thought, like, we ended on a really good note, like myself and as a team. Um, and it was it was kind of heartbreaking, honestly, when everything, you know, got shut down. We were on a roll. Um, We were doing really well and I was finally getting adjusted. I was finally feeling confident in myself again because, you know, like coming on to an an SEC program as a freshman is, you know, it kind of humbles you a little bit. But um, I I mean, I was finally feeling like myself again and feeling confident on the field and in my abilities and then everything just kind of, you know, got shut down within a few days. Yeah. And
1: that caught everyone off guard, but nonetheless, you know, we all got through it. You got to, to the next year, sophomore year, played in 50 games, made 20 starts. Um, You know, the batting average dipped a little bit to, to 211, but I noted that you, you know, you talked about SEC play and you hit 294 in SEC play, which is obviously a significant jump with a 353 slugging percentage. Um, You know, you started in center field against uh number five Florida at the time you had singled in two at bats went two for two with a double and a bunch single against number 15 Arkansas and also reached uh on a hit by pitch and scored twice um so you know um you had some big time moments against some big time SEC programs so obviously you didn't get to to do that the year before like you just talked about but the next season you did and it almost seemed like you thrived with the better competition so talk to me about that
0: yeah i i I've kind of always felt like that. I know the thing is like, you know, you don't play down to your competition, but I just feel like when I do play better competition, it's more, it's more focused. It's more locked in. And I know that it should be like that all the time, but it's more significant when I, when I'm against better teams. Um, but really playing those bigger teams going into it. Cause I'd never played in, you know, the SEC before against SEC teams. I mean, I grew up playing these girls, but you know, now it's like all these ages together. And so I'm not just playing like, you know, 18, 16, like I'm playing all these girls. And, um, you know, like you hear, I mean, you hear the hype of the players and then, then you see them across the field from you. And obviously that can get to you a little bit, but once I just got in my head, like, you know, these girls are just like me, you know, like we, have we we've did the same thing to get here. You know, we work just as hard as them. Um, and you know, like you play these girls your whole life. And I kind of, Once you get past the thought of like, you know, my gosh, it's the SEC. Like, we're playing the SEC softball right now. Then it's just kind of like every other game, and you just have to take it pitch by pitch.
1: Yeah, and, you know, speaking of big games, you came in against another ranked team in Tennessee, and you came into Pinch Run, but you stayed on for defense, and you made a uh, diving catch that ended up number three on SportsCenter's top ten. So – I gotta know like we we love when we have guests that made sports center top 10 because that seems like you know outside of winning like a national championship that seems like the coolest thing that you can do is when you look and see yourself on a sports center top 10 so what did that feel like and you know like the emotions talking to your friends family talk talk to me about it
0: well I didn't know that I'd made sports center and um I remember I was watching uh tv I was watching sports center and I saw like the play before me was Bryce Harper and my dog's named after Bryce Harper. So I was obviously humongous fan ever since, you know, he started. Um, so I remember watching like Bryce Harper's play and then I like saw the next clip and I was like, wait, like, this is my catch. And so I like had to pause everything and I was like, everybody like shut up. Like, I think that I'm on TV <laughs> right now. And um, yeah, so it was my catch and um I don't know it was just like kind of surreal like I, I mean, mean you I was- beat
1: Bryce Harper out on the top <laughs> 10 that's that's legit
0: I know and I don't I'll never forget it I mean it was awesome it's an awesome feeling but um yeah it was crazy
1: Daniel what is it you know it's funny we Riley we're pushing like having 130 guests And so when it comes to Center top 10 moments the women are dominating like they got all the sports in their top 10 moments. Am I correct, Daniel? Yeah. Uh, it's, we need to pick better male guests.
2: <laughs> what, what, what it boils down to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. L- luckily, you know, there is a, miss. Cameron James has made it. Drew Gilbert. We got it. We got a few guys in there, but you know, back on course with that season, you know, y'all made the NCAA tournament, which is, which is the goal. Obviously you come up short, but, talk to me about what that experience is like being able to play in the postseason and you know talk about that team and everything
0: right so um playing in the postseason is really like a grind i mean you are school's out so it's softball 24/7 and it's just like constant like you're putting in work um for really just a, a limited amount of games you know you never know when your last game of the season is going to be and so um going to we went to Oklahoma State and go in there their fans they were I mean loud they were there was a lot of them their stadium was slam packed um so going there was kind of eye-opening like um i would never been like yelled at really by fans (laughs) before and um so like I guess like getting heckled by their fans was like
1: Really oh, play it play in center field in the SEC that you hadn't really been heckled before that?
0: Not see, not really, not anything like personal. Like it, I mean they would say stuff, but I don't really care.
1: Oh, they went but personal at you?
0: It was bad. It was bad. And so I think my my biggest takeaway from that was like trying to control my emotions in the field. Like, uh, like playing there was awesome. It was great. I mean, we came up short. I think we could have done better. Yes, I think we had a, a really good team that you know could have pushed it a little bit harder than what we ended up you know finishing as. But um, the the emotions in postseason were were very high.
1: Yeah. No. Um. And it seems like your team is making strides uh, each season. And that and coming into this season, we'll we'll talk about it. You know. And for you personally, you know, we've been talking about some games you started, some you haven't. Well, not this year. You've started all 33 games in center field. You're batting 279, fifth on the team in runs. Um, opening day, you went three for three. What did you have for breakfast that morning, or what you know what what was going on? What what did you wake up with that made you just decide I'm gonna go out there and I'm not getting out?
0: I was just. I remember waking up. We were in California. And I was just so eager to play. And I'd never, I mean, not that I'm, I've never been eager to play, but I was so, like, happy. I was in a good mood. I was ready to get there. And then when we got there and, like, you know, nerves are setting in, you're nervous, it's the first game of the season. But I remember telling myself, like, like I don't, like, I was sitting in the dugout and I was just, like, stay calm, stay cool, stay collected. Like, it don't matter, like, the outcome of what you do, as long as you know that, like, you did everything you could do to succeed, then you'll be Okay. And so I just, like, try not to get too big, just staying within myself and uh, feeling the confidence in myself, staying relaxed, and and it's really helped me a lot this year to have that mindset.
1: Yeah, and so since we recruited you to come on this show, I've, I've been paying attention. In those weeks since I've been paying attention, you know, you've got Florida, Ole Miss, and Tennessee in there, and, you know, Florida and Tennessee both being highly ranked, both in the top 11 and then your Ole Miss' rival uh, is your rival. Let's talk about that first. How great for your team, not even just you individually, but for your team was it to sweep out old mess like that?
0: Oh, it was so much fun. Um, leading up to, you know, that game, there's always a lot of talk, a lot of, you know, back and forth. And I get bad about reading tweets and, you know, like the, the threads under the tweets. And so I was sitting there and I was just reading all these tweets and knowing to come out and, like, I mean, really I feel like, being at Mississippi State, I mean, it's really blue-collar, like hardworking, you know, nothing's ever really given to us. And so um, kind of just proving points to people that don't believe in you.
1: You know, it's interesting you said that, Daniel. Did that not sound almost exactly like Will Rogers' line? Will said yeah. he feels like when you play for Mississippi State, you're almost treated like you're the last dog to the bowl, and you have to grind harder than everyone else. And so to hear you say that, it just it speaks volumes to – um, you know the way Mississippi State's built. Y'all are literal literal dogs. Y'all y'all fight for everything, and 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 I love it. And so, you know, with that, you had to play against Florida. You had to play against Tennessee. Like I said, two outstanding programs. Um, you took one of three from each of them. Um, just you know, how competitive and hard were those series? Do you, and and you know, you talked about it earlier. Um, you don't get nervous about those, right? You get fired up for games like that,
0: right? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, nerves, you always have nerves. but you kind of just overcome your nerves when when you get in the field, like when you're on the field and you're like, "Okay, like this is happening. you know, like you, your confidence sets in, like it's game time. Um, those teams, they're really good teams. And um I mean, for a while in those games, I mean, there was battles. um Florida, it was back and forth back and forth. Um I do feel like the outcomes of those games could have went could have went differently the games that we didn't win against them. Um, but to know that those are top ranked teams and the competition and like the grit that we showed in that game or those games, um, I think the outcomes could have been different too.
1: You know, it's kind of wild. Um, and in our audience that's going to listen from Mississippi State, to so know exactly what I'm talking about, at least y'all timed your wins against each of those teams and the sweep of Ole Miss. They it almost seems like y'all in baseball need to get coordinated because. Right now you're their saving grace. When they when they have bad days and losses, softball wins. And so like I see in the threads, people say, well, at least we got it done in softball. Like y'all gotta get on the same page and win on the same right. day. But at least but right. at least y'all are winning when they're losing. So the Mississippi State fan base has something to right. hold on to. If, if y'all both right. lose, it's it's just tough. So um, but you know, what would you, you know, I'm gonna put you on the spot here, what would you grade um your team right now on? how y'all performed so far? And then the, the question I always like to ask every athlete is, um, what is the one thing you needed to do to get better this season?
0: Um, So our team right now, I think our our only issue is just like, um, you know, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, we're not really early on into season anymore. And so um, what really is going to determine – our team and, you know, the grit and the desire, the want to of our team is showing up every day. I feel like right now it's kind of complacent and like, um, you know, like one day, you know, we might not be on in this, but, you know, something else is going good, but, you know, it's not enough. We have to be, you know, 100% like locked in and focused uh, throughout every game. So right now I just think that once we figure out like we got to show up like every game, um I think we'll be okay because we have a really good team this year
1: absolutely so postseason is in the expectations obviously
0: oh yeah for sure
1: all right well one more thing before I let Daniel get to the game with you you know um I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about you earning a spot on both the 2021 and 2020 uh SEC honor roll first team honor roll you were involved in community service volunteering time and multiple projects including uh camp supervisor, KTH color run and Earth Day cleanup. So shout out to you for uh, the academics, shout out to you for being a part of uh, doing outreach projects and volunteering your time. And so, um, you know, we love we love athletes that have character not only on the field, but off the field.
0: Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, so speaking of of character, we're going to find out a little bit about your character. You ready to play a quick game? Yes. All right, so the game is called This or That. Um, it's how we end every episode with our guest. It's pretty simple. I'll give you two options. All you got to do is pick one option or the other. And, you know, just don't say both and don't say neither, and you're in good shape.
0: righty. All
2: right, so here we go. All right, this is, a, this is a layup question. Would you rather hit a home run or steal home?
0: I think I'd rather hit a home run.
2: Has anybody stolen home in softball? I feel like it would be extremely difficult.
0: Um yeah, on like past balls and stuff.
2: What? Who would you root for if Mississippi State was playing South Alabama? Who are you rooting for?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir.
0: Um I'm rooting for Mississippi State. Obviously, but I would want Landon to do good.
2: You want Landon to have a career day, but lose is what you're saying.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, <laughs> Daniel, it's possible because in that Mississippi State-Arkansas series, I my biggest fear was Brady Tiger going against Mississippi State, and he managed to go three innings, including the 19th 10th, and 11th, and go unscathed, but yet Mississippi State won, so it can happen.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
1: it, it happens a lot. I mean,
2: you got pitchers out there that will give up – two hits one walk and lose the game and have 10 strikeouts on top of it and you know it, it it happens sometimes we um this next question has really developed like a mind of its own we i asked this question weeks back and then we put a survey up on social media and like it's it's become popular so everybody wants us to ask this question um is a hot dog a sandwich yes or no
0: um i don't think so no
2: (laughs) no is a is a hamburger a sandwich no yes yeah i I feel like a hot dog and a hamburger they're their own category right Um, i
0: feel like it has to be like deli like ham.
2: yep yep i'm right there with you jim claims that he went to texas and i mean it's it's texas so we don't know whether whether to believe this or not, and in the uh, Astros ballpark, they have a hot dog sandwich. But uh, I don't
0: know. I mm-mm. I can't I can't get behind that one.
2: No, nope, <laughs> me neither. Me neither. Would you rather go fishing or go hunting?
0: Oh, that's hard. It depends. It depends on on what kind of.
1: Oh no, that's not the way this game works. It's one or the other. <laughs>
2: Think about all the things you could fish for, and all the things you can hunt for. Mm. Which which one are you choosing?
0: Um, probably deep sea fishing. Deep sea fishing. All right, all right.
2: Would you rather have? Would you Would you rather have better hair or better teeth?
0: Uh, better teeth.
2: Yeah, you throw your hair up, you know, whatever. But the right. teeth—they gotta stay you white. You can always
0: hair. fix your hair.
2: Oh yeah. Would you rather be the smartest person in the room or the funniest
1: person in the room? Funniest. It's been a while since we had a funniest, Daniel. I, I've yeah. always thought it funniest, but a lot of people have been saying they want to be smart lately. I don't
2: know. It's uh it's an intriguing question. It might depend on the day and depend on who's in the room. You
0: know, yeah.
1: True, true.
2: Um would would you rather spend five years in jail or 10 years in a coma? Uh,
0: oh, my gosh. I don't know. Five years in jail. A coma is <laughs> scarier than jail.
1: Lord.
2: That's. So we, we get a bunch of a bunch of the, the dudes. You could only imagine. They. They get on here and they start thinking they're badder than they really are and they're like yeah i'll take jail and i'm like no you wouldn't <laughs> these dudes come on here and lie right to our face <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: well, i don't I, think she I, even I, believed jail when she said it i think she just answered the answer she didn't want either yeah. of them.
0: i don't want to do either but that's the one that i would do if i had to well
1: i'll i'll
2: tell you like i tell all the guests At At this point in my life, I am 37 and I'm old enough to know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And I've never been to jail, but I can tell you, I'm not good at it, nor do I want to try to be good at it. So what I do know is I'm good at sleeping and napping. So I will take the coma gladly. Give me my 10 years of sleep. and I'll wake up and I'll try to figure things out. But I I ain't going I ain't going to jail. (laughs) All right, last question. If somebody said, Briley, here is a sack full of cash and in the sack contains $10 million. You can have this cash. The only caveat is, is all of your friends now can no longer be your friends. Do you take the money or do you leave the money and keep your friends?
0: Oh my gosh. that's. I mean... That's a lot of money. I'll
1: tell you before you answer this question: it goes half and half. People don't always just say friends and like go with the right answer. Some people say give me the bag. So if you say <laughs> if you say that, you won't be offensive. I promise. Daniel and me will tell you right here to your face: we will both bail on each other right now for ten million dollars. For five. <laughs> for five, I'm I'm dipping. Um,
0: ten mil. Ah, I don't see friends
1: ah uh, no <laughs> she lied to us oh man
2: man if if i had the money i would i would i would
1: test this out <laughs> but, Bri- but briley you said the right answer because your friends are gonna listen and they're gonna right, know them, right. so. and
0: i'm not i'm not gonna have 10 million dollars right now so okay. there
2: you I go res- I, I respect it i don't agree with it but <laughs> I, I respect it all right, Briley, before you leave, anything you want to plug or promote?
0: No, that's it. Hell State.
2: Hell State. Well, guess what? I had a feeling you were going to say no. I don't want to plug or promote anything, so I'm going to do it for you. All if right. If you want to learn what Briley's got going on, you can follow her on Instagram at Briley St. Clair. And this Wednesday, they're traveling to Southern Mist on CUSA TV. You can check them out against Southern Miss at 6 p.m. And then this weekend, you guys got Missouri coming to town. SEC Plus Network, Friday night, 6 p.m., Saturday at 2 p.m., and Sunday at 12, Briley. Good luck this weekend. Good luck the rest of the season. If there's anything that we can do for you, please reach out and let us know.
0: All righty. Thank you all for having me.
2: Thank you. And we are going to take a break. We got some sponsors to plug, but Jim, man, we got, we got some new sponsorship. we got some new things that the listeners need to know. What's up,
1: man. You know, I just want to continue to plug the bell since we got a Mississippi state athlete on, you know, you can go to social media, you can go to the marooning company. You can go to multiple different places in Startville. these player Jersey bills that he's cranking out, Daniel, are amazing, but it's not even just those, man. You can get them in any color. You can get them any shape or form. They they got they got swashbuckler. You're familiar with that. You're from Tampa Bay. They got they, they got the pirate ship stuff. They got they got it all. And so check out the bellsmith. Get your bell. Go down to the Mississippi State softball game and ring that thing.
2: Yeah, man. Go check it out. Go get you one. We'll customize it however you like. The guys legit for you Mississippi State fans. I know you're listening. The cowbell is essential. Go to the bellsmith, get your bell, and get your ring on. Jim, when we come back, man, we got to unpack a lot of college baseball, man. So let's hit these sponsors, and then we'll be right back.
1: Tattoos have become more of a normal part of society, and You know, one of the things that's a common mistake that people do is they just go anywhere, you know, closest place maybe, whatever's convenient. And a lot of times they get a piece of art that stays on them forever that maybe they don't like so much. So let me help you and eliminate that problem. Go see Jeff Lee Watts easy flea tattoos you can find them on facebook or instagram and you can find him at 1731 dancy boulevard in horn lake number is 662-280-0763 have you struggled with weight loss pain management Maybe you just lack in energy. I struggled with all these things. And then I got introduced to Truvy, an official sponsor of In Off the Bench. If you download the Truvy app, T-R-U-V-Y, and use the official In Off the Bench code, Money, you can save money and get hooked up today and get your life turned around.
2: Welcome back to the In Off
1: the Bench podcast,
2: Jim. It's time. We're going to talk college basketball and college baseball, but I want to start with college basketball. We are nearing the end of an amazing season. Um, We're currently, you know, at halftime of the national championship game, and North Carolina is up 15 on Kansas. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at currently, but I want to backtrack, you know, and kind of talk about this past weekend and how things rolled out and how things set up. For the championship game, you know, you you obviously had you know Kansas and Villanova matching, and in one of the final four games, and then you had Duke and North Carolina in the second of the two final four games, and you know when we when we look at you know the, we we talked about it last week, man. If you were to start a season and pick four teams that would be in the final four, like you could probably pull these four and probably have a really good feeling and the odds that Vegas would have for these would be. Yeah. Like the only one that's missing that you might
1: plug in is Kentucky. Right. Like,
2: right. You know, and so we, we, there was excitement. There was, there was, you know, upsets and this and that, but at the end of the day, we're left with four of the teams that, you know, probably we thought were going to be there or have a chance to be there. Um, You know, I want to start with, with, Kansas Villanova um, Jay Wright, I think, is one of the best coaches in college basketball. Um, when you put him up against Bill Self, I still think he's a much better coach. Um, I thought that Villanova was going to go in you know and and beat them, but i I didn't think that Kansas was just going to totally dominate them like they did um, but did you, I mean, I don't know if, if you had any, any time to watch any of the game, but it really was just Kansas from the jump. Like it it was, it was kind of surprising.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't really get to watch any of it, but I was keeping up with the score and, um, I don't know. I had a hope for Villanova because I think me and you have a disdain for Kansas for the very same reason as Memphis Tiger basketball fans. And so um, we never want Kansas to win. And so I kept hoping Villanova would make a push and that gap remained about a 15 point gap throughout the game for the lead. And so um, I'm kind of glad I wasn't watching it because it just made me sad because Kansas won.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, they went out and to be honest, Kansas this entire tournament for the most part is, as, is- probably played the best basketball that they played all season, but they've also played better basketball than I would say the majority of the teams, you know, in the field. Um, Not because they they're in the championship game, but because, I mean, complete basketball from start to finish, even the games, you know, um, that maybe were closer than they anticipated, they ended up figuring out a way to kind of pull ahead and, You know, once the competition got, you know, better and better, they did those things. Um, And so, I mean, there's no surprise that you find Kansas in the championship game tonight. But on the other side of it, you got Carolina and Duke, and there's a lot of nostalgia that comes with it. So, I mean, I'll I'll get your your take on this, Jim. Was there any excitement to know that Duke and Carolina were going to face off in a Final Four?
1: Absolutely. I think it's actually the greatest rivalry in college sports.
2: Yeah. I, the, the one thing missing for me is it's, it's a, it's one thing in a final four to be at a neutral site, but like the final four it's it's just not the same as if you put them at Cameron indoor and fill it full of students and just say, get crazy. Like, I think that's the only thing that could have made this matchup any better. Um, but, you know, the, the, the story, you know, with Coach K being, you know, his final season, a, they ended up losing the game, so it ended up being his final game. So, you know, his first game coaching, I read this, was a loss to North Carolina, and now his last game coaching was a loss to North Carolina. Um, you know, is there any – is it kind of bittersweet or you're okay with Coach K losing, or would you have rather have seen him – make it to the championship and kind of have the opportunity to kind of, you know, cement this season and his legacy with this, this, this magical run.
1: I would have rather have seen him win and cement this with a magical run. The question that I would propose to you is I watched the video of, of college and pro players. that was put together, um, you know, other coaches that coach in the, in the league, um, you know, previous guys that have played for him. It was, you know, it was touching, it was heartwarming. His wife was a part of it, sending a message talking about, you know, they only had daughters, but he had sons for 40 years and the impact he had and everything. And I bring this up, Daniel, because um, it was said that college basketball was losing one of his greatest villains. And I have never in my life, Daniel, I understand that like people don't like a team that wins a lot or is traditionally in the way, but there is nothing villain about coach K would you not agree
2: um i think i would i would have my i think personality wise i think he rubs people the wrong way i think at times he comes off like self-centered conceited um better than some um but i think that's mainly people who don't really know the full story of coach K um and i don't know like he's a very reserve guy you know so i don't think many people do know the full story of coach k unless you're a player like i think only his players have that special connection that get the opportunity to pull the curtain back and get to see him for who he really is like i'll be honest i had no like animosities or 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 hard feelings for coach k i think he's uh i can't i think can't deny how great of a coach he is. Um, obviously to take Duke to prominence the way that he has and keep them there um, for as long as he has, that, thats that's got to say something for him, you know? Yeah. Um, whether, whether he loses the game against Carolina or he's playing, you know, he's coaching his last game tonight, um, I don't think it takes away from the legacy. Um, does it kind of leave the, the book, um, you know, the end, does it leave the ending of the book less desirable to read? Yeah, probably. But, um, at the end of it, you're a coach, you're going to coach games and you're going to win some and you're going to lose some and you know, he lost. So, uh, I think you'd be, be under the, you know, the, the, the same belief that if you're willing to measure his success by the one game that he lost on uh, Saturday night, then I think you're completely missing what he's brought to college basketball. Um,
1: He did. Hey, did you see the look on his face? He did. He did have a look of very, very upset. You know, most coaches look upset when they lose, but he looks a little extra upset. I don't think, you know, you asked about the losing in North Carolina. Um, I don't think that's the way he wanted to go out even a little bit. (laughs)
2: I mean to be honest if you're a coach is losing how you want to go out regardless no, but I don't but I don't
1: think to that team and in in a game where it was man it was back and forth back and forth but I didn't start watching until the second half and in the second half when I watched even though it was back and forth I felt like Duke was the better team and maybe that's the thought process in his head was I think we were the better team and we didn't do our job and finish this game I think I mean
2: to be honest, I mean, if, if you if, if you look at it um, from, you know, 10,000 feet looking down, most teams or half the teams in the field were better than North Carolina. So to say that Duke should have won that game and was the better team. Yeah, you, I think you're absolutely me, correct in about saying that.
1: Let me ask you about a pivotal call that that changed the the outcome of the game. And I bring it up because, you know, our boy Job Morant was the first person I saw a tweet about it. In college basketball, there's obviously not a continuation rule. So that's not the question. You know, it undoubtedly was a foul on the floor. Daniel, why is it a rule in college and not in NBA? When are, you know they try to sync up the game so much. When does it become continuations of part of college basketball?
2: I mean, you know, I, I still think college wants to make itself different than NBA, even though like college is what it is because these guys are going to the NBA. Like we're getting to watch stars. And, you know, obviously there, there's a little bit of, we, you know, in the tournament, we get to watch any team have a chance, you know, to succeed. Um, obviously, St. Peter's is, is a you know, example of that. Um, but it, it's the same thing. You know, Randy and I have talked multiple times about shot clock violations in college when the ball changes possession, even on a shot clock violation, they, they blow the whistle and call it dead. And it like to me, it takes away from a, a break down the floor it, that could yeah. happen like to me like that doesn't happen in pro basketball like so why are like i don't know but i, I think ncaa wants to be different and wants to establish the fact that there there's learning going on and you need this step to go to the next so the rules can't be the same if that's the case if the rules are the same then it's like well why am i even going to waste my time developing there when i could go to the pro level and
1: play the same way with the same rules which, you know. so to end college basketball it's 40 to 25. we know that coming into this kansas is you know supposed to be the much better team on paper do they spark a comeback, or is this just a Cinderella story about North Carolina? Um,
2: I think Kansas will bring it within five or six, but I ultimately think that Carolina is, is now riding with a lot of confidence. Um, I think Kansas can win this game. I don't like 15 points in college basketball, and even at the pro level. Fifteen points isn't three minutes (laughs) to be done. Yeah. In isn't the end all be all. Um, but I think what Kansas needs to do is to quickly cut it to single digits and quickly try to get it within three or four, because then I think pressure starts mounting and a team that's writing a lot of confidence now it the script is completely flipped. So if Kansas can come out, get a couple stops early, cut it to within six or seven, you know, within the first couple minutes of the half, I think they got a shot. If Carolina, you know, comes out and goes up by 20, I, I think it's curtain. I think, I think it's done.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: So we'll, we'll see. Um, still got another half, you know, and, and anything can happen, uh, especially this season. There's no telling, but. Um, you know, be interesting to find out who's crown national champion this year, and we'll find out probably within within the hour. But man, um, I want to transition over to college baseball. Obviously, you had a, another, you got a chance to to make your picks this week. You you had another successful week of picks, probably better than most of the analysts that are getting paid for it. Um, but give me your initial thoughts just on this week. And then, you know, maybe some, some areas where you were surprised or some performances in which you were surprised to see.
1: Well, let me just say on the, uh, I went eight for 10 on the two that I got wrong. They were the, they were the games that didn't involve. Well, I say they didn't involve big teams. One is now jumped from non-ranked to 16th, but, um, teams that, that weren't really in the rankings, and so um, to give myself kind of a pass on that, I haven't really seen any of them except Kennesaw State, and I went with that because our boy Josh Hatcher um, has been dominant. I want to start just real quick with a note because we could talk about Tennessee all day, and we got them on next week, but, you know, our boy Randy sent us a stat this morning, Daniel. This is the most gaudy numbers I've ever Heard in, and, and I watched the whole series. I didn't miss a single inning of Tennessee Vandy. It was complete domination. But Chase Burns, my bro, is 6-0, 1.15 ERA, 0.79 whip. Um, Chase Dollinger, which both these guys are going to be guests next week, like I said, 5-0, 2.58 ERA, 0.78 whip. Drew Beam, the other guy on Sunday, freshman, 6 0, 0.88 ERA, 0.46 whip. These dudes have been so good that Blade Tidwell, our guest, top five projected pitcher coming in this season, is going to be a midweek guy because two freshmen and a sophomore transfer from Georgia Southern have been that electric. I mean, have you seen anything like this? I mean,
2: who who's the midweek game and like they're like looking forward to maybe getting a, a B or C arm and they can get
1: blade Tedwell. It, it, that, that's what the Randy said. It, Lipscomb gets, gets blade Tedwell. And then, like I said, Seth's going to be coming in. I mean, but I think Tony V and and like I said, I didn't want to talk too much into Tennessee, but you know, everybody talks about their bats. Um, I just wanted to highlight their pitching, especially since we got them coming on, but I like Tony Vitello's decision to not mess with that weekend rotation. You are a pitcher. You were a coach. When you got three guys that are rolling like that, do you agree with Tony's decision?
2: Yeah, if it's not broke, don't, don't fix
1: it. it. I just, like, I just wanted to make sure.
2: I mean, like the, those guys are are getting locked in, and you know as well as I do, as you get closer to postseason, rotation matters. And if you have your rotation set and you have your three core guys and then your three relief guys, like you are setting yourself up for a lot of success. And then if you can hit the baseball the way Tennessee has been hitting the baseball, you, you, yeah, you're you going to see a lot the, of success.
1: And the, and the bat flip King is back worth noting. Um, you know and and with those arms daniel you know we we focus on three guys in three game series but what i learned from being at omaha for the first time last year is if you got more than three guys and and you make it there and you're successful and you can actually give that first day pitcher rest man it's bad news for everybody else because then that fourth guy becomes a crucial guy so um they got to get there first but if they get there uh man look out but uh a lot of things to talk about. Arkansas, Mississippi State. You know, I was supposed to be there, didn't get to. Kind of glad because Friday and Saturday was an absolute pounding. Um, shout out to Jalen Battles, guest of this show. Um, just hitting Titanic bombs, flipping that bat with swagger. But Sunday, uh, they they came back. You know, my my biggest fear, Daniel, was Brady Tiger against. Mississippi State and Cameron James. Luckily, I was busy with the Cornell tournament, didn't get to see it, but I did get to see the clips and and um, yeah, Brady just decided he was going to strike out everybody. Every in off, in off the bench guest we've had from Mississippi State, he just decided he was gonna he was going to strike out. But with that, Mississippi State managed to get the win in extra innings. Um, Logan Tanner did have a bomb in that game. Jaeger did have a bomb in that game. So turn your cowbell up, have your Jaeger bomb, like you mentioned. Um, so good good things came of it. We got what we actually wanted, Daniel, or at least I wanted, I wanted a Mississippi State win, but you, you and me got what we wanted in the sense of all-in-off-the-bench guests did well, and that's ultimately what we root for. But from that series, Arkansas showed with what they did on Friday and Saturday that they are the team to be reckoned with from the West because LSU is, is still struggling to find themselves. Ole Miss is still struggling to find themselves. Arkansas, even with losing a game, um, um, the game was highly competitive, went to 12 innings. And in the first two, like I said, they beat them down. So um, Arkansas is showing its dominance on the West. LSU, man, Daniel, I don't don't know what they're going to do about their arms, which is the same thing about Ole Miss. I don't know how these teams – I said coming into the season, and and for as much as I've been right, I was wrong on this. And it's still a long season, Daniel. I said their batting was going to be able to carry them. I don't know that it will. I mean, you, I, these, these guys got to put up 10 runs a game to win.
2: Where, where was LSU at this point last season? Same spot. And where did they end up? Super regionals. An opportunity. they ran And they got and a better ball.
1: team as far as lineup and everything this year. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to fielding, remember, we're talking to the you – know, I'm the guy who didn't play baseball. What makes a team because when you're at that level, you you all have to be a pretty good defensive player. You don't have to be the most outstanding. They lead the SEC in errors. And I watched a second baseman and a third baseman, or excuse me, a shortstop and a third baseman run into each other for a ball that was going between them. I don't know that I've even seen that like in my life. Like, like why how does a team get to be that bad defensively? I mean So errors are,
2: it's like a a plague. Like when you have defensive miscues, it, it's always like they come in like bulk and it's a lack of focus. It's a lack of communication. um, And even to some extent, it's a, a, you know, sometimes bad luck. Um, Obviously balls take hops, they take bounces. The spin of the ball, you know, there's a there's a lot of factors that that are involved. But usually when you're having defensive blunders, it's really just a lack of focus or a lack of communication amongst infielders, you know, uh, being in the right positions, you know, depending on the count playing, playing in the right areas, depending on how many outs, you know, shading one way or the other. Um, knowing how deep to be in the infield, how shallow to be, um, how far in the the holes to be. I mean, a lot goes into it. And it it could just very well be that guys are not comfortable with the position that they're being asked to play because, I mean, I I don't.
1: Yeah, a lot of these dudes do get rotated around on all these different teams. You are correct. I, I guess the issue with LSU is with their pitching not being the best, you don't really have the margin to make the errors that they do. So you, you add in pitching that struggles and then you add in errors and it's just a recipe for disaster.
2: Yeah. I mean, you, you got to, you really got to take that out of the equation because any team in the country, if they make errors in bulk, like they're going to find themselves struggling to win games and struggling to be in games. So, um, you know you 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 can't make errors you can't give teams extra outs and you definitely can't put people on bases because even even if you do it with two outs like the way guys are swinging the bats man
1: that i mean well since you brought up up two outs i sent y'all a text and i and i gotta ask you man blake money from lsu man you know I'm am I'm a fan of LSU. I root for the guys, but I believe in having your team's back. I believe in sportsmanship, and um, you know, shout out to Drew Bianco, uh, you know, Coach Bianco from Ole Miss's son. Um, you know, there was two outs, and Trey Morgan had an error at first base, and uh, then it led to the the floodgates opening. But you know, while he did have the error, it was Blake Money who gave up the home run, the double, the single. You know, he he was giving up the hits, and yes. The inning should have been over, but nonetheless, you got to get past that, and do your job. And he decided, you know, he wanted to to make a big stink of it, go after his teammates. And um, Bianco stepped in, got in his face, and said, I'm "Not having this." And you know, you could tell that was a coach's son because he stepped up. He's a veteran guy. Um, I really, I really loved to seeing him do that. But you know, that's something you can't do, right, Daniel. Regardless of your teammates having errors, you cannot. Especially, it's something you can talk about in the dugout. Something you well, that- talk about the fast, but you can't do it on the field.
2: Well, I mean, that that tells you a lot about maybe the chemistry of the team that's going on. If they're having those conversations, like if guys are having to step up and say that, like it just makes you wonder, like, what is actually going on? I mean, there's – that is it you look at the manager on that and saying he doesn't have control of his team? Um, I, I – so everything falls when it comes to that everything falls on the head coach that is a you know a philosophical like cultural piece within the program when thing when people do that if that is how we we handle business like that shit has that can't because happen. like
1: Arkansas, Vandy, Tennessee with those coaches, I don't see that happening. That, that, that would absolutely not happen. So, I think Jay Johnson's got to get control of his team. But I still like – I won't give up on LSU, not because that's my, my squad. I, I just I just think they have too much talent. But, um, you know, outside the SEC, Daniel, um, and to, to tie it from a Mississippi State thing – You know, those guys told us that Notre Dame was the best team they faced all year, including Omaha. Um, They did not know if they were going to get out of Super Regionals last year. That team brought back just about everyone. We even have a a guest coming up soon, Jack Brannigan. Um, So I watched two out of the three games in that series. Notre Dame swept number five Florida State in their house. Um, So that's worth noting. Keep an eye on Notre Dame. Uh, They actually have a superb record. I think they got – Um, when they got swept by Louisville, who happens to be ranked number 12, so it's not like they lost to a bad team. Um, I think people started to think that maybe they weren't as good, and since then they've done nothing but handle business. So um, predicted that one right. Nobody from D1 predicted that one right. So, um, yeah, I'm going to shout myself out on that one. The other one, because they were in my Omaha 8, I really believe in Stanford, went into Oregon State, took two out of three, worth noting. But I will say this, Daniel, I watched those games. Oregon State – is every bit as good as their ranking. So, that, that was not an indictment. I think those are two really legit teams. Those are two teams that I see hosting super regionals. Um, I know you uh, – we've talked about Oregon State. They're legit. Um, Texas had to come back on Oklahoma to save themselves in that series. I don't know who Texas really is. I do know Texas Tech went and won 28-2 against Kansas to solidify their series. So um, you know, regardless if it's Kansas, I believe in them. But we uh, we had a lot of good matchups that weren't just SEC. But I got to ask you about your boys from DBU. I sat there and, and discounted Walford. I said they got an I easy mean, one I, coming up. I
2: who would have thought? I mean, they dropped two or three to Walford. They dropped now the twenty fourth in the country, I believe. And you know, it's it's we talked to Elijah. I mean, he. You know, he told us it's there's got to be a level of consistency that they gotta that they gotta reach, and you know he believes that they are one of the best teams in the country, and I think we both can agree that they when they're playing their game, they can be one of the best teams in the country. But there is a lack of consistency that's there, and I don't know how far they can go when they drop two or three from a Wofford, because I mean. As as good of a team as Wofford might be, they still aren't – they're not the, the caliber of team that you're going to need to beat when you get to a regional.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, let's talk about what's on deck this week. Daniel is here, man. LSU, Mississippi State. I'm only going to get to be there Friday night because my daughter has a soccer tournament in St. Louis this weekend. That's, I'm driving that's up Saturday pro- Probably good. Probably yeah, but good. I'm going Friday night and Greg James told me I'm not allowed to wear LSU apparel. I'm obviously not going to wear Mississippi State apparel, so that's why that black and white in-off-the-bench shirt comes in handy. But I know you're going to ask me, who do I think is going to win? I mean, I, before I ask you, I think this is a must-win
2: series for both teams.
1: Whoever – so Mississippi State's already under – five. as a matter of fact, LSU's one game under five, so they're both under 500. So to your point, whoever – loses at least two games of a series because they've lost series will find themselves at the bottom of the West. And so, yes, this is, this is detrimental. And I feel like Mississippi state being at home um, needs to take every bit of advantage of it, especially because LSU just hasn't looked stellar. But with that, I'm taking LSU to take two of three. I'm going to stick with Kate Smith winning on Sunday And, uh, which if he pitches, um, you know, I didn't get to see, I told you I missed half the game. My man took a ball off the head, got stitches on the head. He's, you know, he's got to get checked out, make sure he's, you know, don't got a concussion, all that stuff. So hopefully my man's okay. But if he is, uh, I'm predicting him and I asked the question to multiple sources today, Daniel, about everybody wants him to be the Friday starter. Me and you talked, he'd have to miss a week, um, And with that, if he does happen to have, by chance, an injury, a uh, concussion, or, you know, something that keeps him out, this may give everybody what they want because then he has to sit out a week and do it. But everybody wants him as a Friday starter, but it's exactly what you told me. He would have to sit out a week in series, and right now in the SEC, and like you said, with their inability to afford a loss and with their lack of arms, you just can't do it. And honestly, I like him on Sunday, Daniel, because – they their batting lineup they actually have struggled tremendously against every team's Friday night eight. So why would you put Kate in there and maybe waste is a waste of great outing? Um, yeah,
2: I mean the last thing you can do is throw him out there and he gets a not, no decision or you know something like that where he pitches well they just don't swing the bat well and you, you don't have anything to show for it.
1: So um, I, might, I might be I might be running myself into a wall because, you know, this is a Mississippi State episode and Mississippi State listeners may hear me pick LSU, but y'all put me gun to the head last year. I picked Mississippi State. They won this year. I'm not saying necessarily LSU is a better team or any of that. I just – I think LSU is going to come in there and get it done. Yeah. Well, just, just, they, just because Mississippi State's pitching is struggling that much. Um.
2: I'm going to say it. So, I'm going to make every Mississippi State fan happy. I think Mississippi State figures it out this weekend. I think they take three.
1: Oh, they're going with the sweep. I
2: think they're going to take three. And I think your boy Cameron James is going to have a stellar weekend.
1: I would love for him to have a stellar weekend. He had a bad weekend that Greg James cannot blame on me, my friend. So, Let's go to a non-big SEC series. Daniel, I have not, you know, as, as much as I've watched so much baseball, I have not watched the U play. And somehow they have climbed and climbed and climbed the ladder, and they are now number eight playing against number three Virginia. They're hosting number three Virginia. I have watched Virginia a lot. Luke. As me and you know, Virginia is the real deal. They are every bit as good, if not better, than the team they sent to Omaha last year. Um, does Virginia put Miami in their place, you know, without you probably seeing them much at all? Or do you think uh Miami can make a series of this? I mean, uh, when
2: is the last time Miami has done anything in any sport? (laughs) I mean, in basketball, I mean, obviously they made a run, but I mean, Miami is you know, basically Florida State, you got. All this hype that goes behind them. They got a little number next to their name, but what have they won? What have they won? So, Virginia, give me those guys, and I i don't even think it's close. I think Virginia just dominates them.
1: All right, I got one other series for you to pick because it's a ranked matchup. TCU travels to Texas. I just told you Texas is about as inconsistent as it gets right now, even with that number seven ranking next to them. Texas is going to find their, find their bearings or is uh, TCU going to come in there and show us that Texas is overrated? Well, so when
2: you are, you know, Texas, you, you gotta be able to get through the gauntlet of teams like o- Oklahoma state and TCU. Um, so I think that Texas wins. I think they win two of three. Um, I think they're all three games are going to be like two to one, three to one, four to two, like, you know, going down. I think, you know, teams are going to have a shot to win uh, with. They're going to have runners on base in the last inning. I think closers are going to have, you know, a little, a little struggle in the last couple of innings, but I, I think ultimately Texas is going to take two of three.
1: Gotcha. Well, I will give you one last note. This is not picking. I want to tell you about teams on the rise. I told you in regards to the two series that I got wrong, one of them um, was Southern Miss, man. They made the biggest jump. They went from outside the rankings to number 16. So they're a team to watch to see if they're for real. They're obviously a team that made some noise um, last year um, in the regionals. Let's see. The other ones were Georgia, man. Georgia comes off a sweep of Florida. Um, they got South Carolina. We know South Carolina have been giant killers this year. We, we've talked about it, and they're at, they're at South Carolina. So that, that, that's a series. That's a series this, to watch.
2: This is what my thought. I'm glad you asked this. South Carolina beats, two, beats Georgia two or three games this weekend.
1: And, and I'll believe you because it almost seems like – they remind me of the, the Grizzlies prior to this year. They they play down to their opponents, and then when they play the big dogs, they come out and, and get it done. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with you at all, but, you know, you got to give Georgia their shout-out. And and with the Florida thing, Daniel, Florida is, has been getting beaten left to right in the SEC, and Arkansas is on deck, brother. I hope they get swept out again. Yeah, I, I don't – I don't think it gets any easier for Florida. I think these, these Florida
2: schools are starting to show trends that um, they're not as
1: good as they, they claim to be. So of the top five that, that are there, so you have one, Tennessee, Arkansas, two, uh, Virginia, three, Oregon State, four, Texas Tech, five. I am going out and saying that all five stay the same. Are you with me?
2: Say that again one more time.
1: So you got Tennessee, one, Arkansas, two, Virginia, three, Oregon State, four, Texas Tech, five. Is anybody slipping? I think, I think all five of those teams. Virginia has the best chance because they have the U, but you don't believe in the U. Um, so, I mean, the rest of the teams, Texas Tech is playing a bad Kansas State team. Arkansas is playing Florida, which could give them something, but the way Florida has been playing – Tennessee's host in Missouri should be easy money. So, I mean, I don't see any of these teams slipping up, slipping up. I I think the top five will stay the same and they'll kind of solidify themselves for another week. Yeah.
2: um, You know, as long as if we're making the assumption, which I think we are, that they're all going to take care of business, there's not going to be any changes in in those teams moving into next week.
1: Yup. Well, we got enough. We got a good good action, and let's hope Tennessee does her thing against Missouri. Keeps on trucking that way. When we got chase and chase on next week, we just got more and more good stuff to talk about. That's right, man. Uh,
2: let's get out of here, man. It's been a been a good night, good episode. Got to unpack um, college baseball. You know, we we talked a little bit about this national championship game in college basketball, but you know, most most importantly, we got another great guest and. Briley St. Clair. I want to thank Briley for joining us. And if you like hearing her story or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like, and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter, listen, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anchor as always comments, ratings and feedback is always welcome. We're going to see everyone next week for episode 14, where we're bringing back Tennessee volunteer baseball. We're bringing some studs. From the mound, I mean the anchors of this pitch and staff, dude. We we got some good ones. We got Chase Dollander and Chase Burns joining us, dude. It's it's gonna be awesome. I can't wait. Full house. We're gonna have an arsenal of of hosts.
1: And we're gonna have Randy.
2: Yeah, he's back. He's back ready, ready to rock. So hey, this has been the in off the bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, great and grind all the time. We out.